The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Well, again, let me just uh, begin by once again welcoming all of you to to, uh, worship this morning. Especially, I want to welcome those of you who are guests with us today. You are here for the first time, or perhaps you're just here for the first time on an Easter. Uh, Either way, we are absolutely thrilled to have you here with us today. A couple things that you should know about us as a church as we get started this morning. Um, First, we believe, we really believe that Easter Sunday is the best Sunday of the year for you to actually become a follower of Jesus, and so I'm going to give you that opportunity at the end of the service today. The second thing that you should know about us as a church is that we are a church that that really believes, we literally, really believe that Jesus physically, literally rose from the dead, right? It wasn't just his spirit, right? It wasn't some kind of an illusion. It wasn't, you know, a bunch of people who just so badly wanted to believe something that they thought they saw somebody who kind of looks like Jesus, right, off in the distance. It wasn't any of that. No, we believe that Jesus died. We believe that he was buried. And we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And the reason that we believe all that is because Matthew, a first century tax collector who became a follower of Jesus, he actually saw Jesus crucified. He saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. And then he wrote about everything that he saw. Mark, who was actually a Greek man who spent his life following the apostle Peter, he documented everything that Peter experienced while Peter was with Jesus both before and after the resurrection. Luke, who was actually a doctor, went out and interviewed all of the eyewitnesses, the eyewitnesses of Jesus' teaching, his preaching, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, interviewed all of them, compiled all of that testimony, wrote about all of it. John, who was actually another follower of Jesus, in fact, John was the first guy to the empty tomb, John, who was actually there on the night that Jesus was crucified, he was there. He said, listen, I saw it. I saw them crucify Jesus. I saw him die. I saw them put his body in the tomb. And then I spoke to him three days later when he was risen from the dead. John wrote about all of it. Peter, who is another one of Jesus' followers. In fact, Peter, who actually was crucified upside down for what it is that he said that he saw a risen Savior, Jesus risen from the dead, wrote about all of it. And James, Jesus' younger brother, who wrote about everything that Jesus told him after Jesus was risen from the dead. And in many ways, James is some of the most interesting testimony that we have about Jesus. Because while Jesus was alive, James, his younger brother, did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But after Jesus was resurrected, after he was risen from the dead, after James actually saw Jesus alive again, he said, no, he really is. He really is the Son of God. And so listen, if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, and you believe that the resurrection actually happened, you have got very, very good reason to believe that. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, but you're, just, you're not quite sure about the resurrection part, I'm so glad that you're here today because this message today is aimed directly at you. And if, in fact, you're here today and you're here just because it's Easter, right, and you're not really sure what it is that you believe about God or about Jesus or about the Bible, you've got questions about all of those things, right, this is the perfect place for you to be, right? You absolutely, you belong here, you are welcome here. And this is the absolute best weekend of the year for you to be in church. Because today I want to direct you to the issue, right? The issue that I just hope that you, you wrestle with for the rest of your life as it comes to your thinking about Jesus and specifically your thinking about Jesus as the Son of God. Because see, it is absolutely natural to want to separate the life of Jesus 
from the resurrection of Jesus, right? It's absolutely natural for all of us to want to separate these two things, right? Because the truth is, there's just so much we want to love about Jesus, right? We love the story of the prodigal son. We love the fact that Jesus cared for the poor and he fed the poor and he took care of the poor, that he was always watching out for the poor. We love that Jesus loved grace, that he loved justice, that he loved mercy, Right? We, we love the fact that he, that he forgave that man on the cross next to him. Right? Even if you are not a follower of Jesus, there is just so much that you want to love about Jesus. And, and so in our world today, there's this tension to try to separate these two things. Separate all these things that we appreciate about the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus from the resurrection of Jesus. We want to say this. We want to say, listen, I like Jesus. Yes, I do. I like Jesus. How about you, right? I like the gospel. I like the generosity. I like the mercy. I like the compassion, right? I, I like the forgiveness. I, I like all that. But, I, you know, I don't really believe that he, he physically rose from the dead. See, we want to raise, I want to raise the teachings of Jesus, but I want to leave his body in the tomb. I want to raise the morality of Jesus, but I want to leave his body in the grave. And so in our world, in our culture today, there's this, there's this huge tendency to, to want to do exactly this. And, and see, you may be sitting here today, and maybe you've never thought about it in these exact terms before. But this might be exactly where you're at in terms of your thinking about Jesus. You're not going to say anything bad about Jesus, no. But if I were to kind of push on you a little bit and ask you, you know, do you really, I mean, do you really believe? Do you really believe that Jesus physically, literally came back from the dead like he was dead and then he was alive again? Right, if your answer to that would be, okay, listen, I, you know, I, I've heard that before. In fact, I, I've grown up hearing that. I've heard that my entire life. But the truth is, the truth is, I'm, I'm just not sure. Right? See, if that's you, I, I want to help you out today. I, I want to help you out today because I want, I want you to just think about this a little bit. Because listen, the, the, the problem, right, the, the problem with trying to do this, the, trying with trying to, the problem with trying to separate these two things is that everything that you know about the life of Jesus, everything that you appreciate about Jesus, the sayings of Jesus that you quote, the stories of Jesus that are inspiring to you, all of that actually came from the very same people who say, oh, and by the way, he actually physically, literally rose from the dead. Which means, right, which means, if this is where you are when it comes to your thinking about who Jesus is, then let me tell you something that you believe that maybe you don't even realize that you believe. See, you actually believe that in the first century there was a group of people who so appreciated the life of Jesus, so appreciated the teachings of Jesus, so appreciated the example of Jesus, that when Jesus died, they all got together and said, listen, we cannot let this disappear, so here's what we're going to do. We need to make up a really, really big lie in order to keep the dream alive. That that's what you believe if you try to separate the life of Jesus from the resurrection of Jesus. Right? You believe that the part that you believe, right? The part that you think is true, the part that, that is inspiring to you, that part that is actually helpful to you. you. You believe the people who told you that, that they lied. Now that's just kind of absurd, isn't it? See, here's, here's where we're going today. Here's the bottom line for today. If there is no resurrection, If there is no physical resurrection, then you should just abandon all things. 
Jesus. You should abandon all things Jesus. If there is no physical resurrection, if Jesus did not actually come back to life, then the truth is there are better self-help tools that are out there. Right? There are things that are more fun for you to actually do on a Sunday morning. And so you, to be honest, you, to be consistent, you should just abandon all things Jesus. You should stop ending your prayers in Jesus' name. Right? Just use your own name. Use your favorite athlete's name. Use your favorite superhero's name. Use your pet's name. Use any name you want to, but stop using Jesus' name. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you should abandon all things Jesus. Everything that you think about heaven, just get rid of it. All of it. Right, 90% of what it is that you believe about heaven, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you actually got those ideas from the very people who say that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Everything that you believe about Jesus, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, you should just abandon all things. Jesus, all the good things that you're doing to help out other people in this world who are less fortunate than you are, right? You're just wasting your time. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if you're hoping that God is noticing what it is that you're doing... And that somehow there's going to be some great big reward waiting for you. I'm telling you, listen, you're being good for nothing. Right? You are. You're being good for nothing. You should just abandon all things Jesus if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Maybe that seems a little harsh. Maybe that seems a little extreme. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, did Joe not get enough coffee this morning? Right? What is up with this guy today? I'm telling you, that is the warm-up for what it is that the Apostle Paul is about to say to us today. Take out your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which you can find on page 1790 if you're using one of those Bibles in the seat back in front of you. Now, The Apostle Paul, who you may or may not know, actually wrote a little bit more than half of the New Testament in a letter that he writes to a group of followers living in the city of Corinth, who actually 2,000 years ago, they found themselves thinking, um, just like a whole lot of people in our world today think, which is kind of like, okay, um, I I love Jesus, yes I do, right, but the whole resurrection thing, I doubt it's true. That's what they were kind of thinking, right? They felt like, I'm too sophisticated, Right? I'm too intellectual. We're just too scientific to believe that a man literally could, could come back to life after he's been crucified. I mean, come on, really. How, I mean, how absurd is that? And see, listen, if, if, this is where you, if this is your struggle here today, listen, I get it. I mean, I get it. I understand. This is hard to believe. I mean, this is really, really hard to believe. I'm with you. I get it. And so the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, this is why, see, in God's grace, because this is so hard to believe, that's why. That's why we don't just have Matthew. It's why we don't just have Mark. It's why we don't just have Luke. It's why we don't just have John. It's why we don't just have Peter. It's why we don't just have James. It's why we have all of them, including the Apostle Paul, who actually tells us more about the significance of the resurrection of Jesus than even the very people who record for us the events of Jesus' life. This is what Paul says to us beginning in verse 14. He says this. He says, if Jesus has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, as in worthless. To which maybe you hear that and you think to yourself, okay, Paul, I don't think you're 
preaching is, is useless, Paul, I think that's maybe a little extreme. I mean, Paul, after all, I mean, you, maybe you don't know this, Paul, but we actually use some of your stuff in our wedding. Like, Paul, when, when, when we got married, we actually, you know, remember when you said the whole love is kind, love is patient, love, right? Love, love does not rejoice in, in, the, in evil, but it, it rejoices in the truth. Remember when you said that? You said love keeps no record of wrongs. Paul, that's not useless. That's awesome. To which the Apostle Paul says, listen, if you, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then stop using my stuff in your weddings if you don't think that Jesus actually rose fr- from the dead. And he goes on, he says this, our preaching is useless, and so, so is your faith. Ouch. So is your faith, he says. See, the Apostle Paul says, listen, if Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead, then your faith is it is worthless. It, it's worthless. And notice this. Notice what he says here. He says, listen, our. Our preaching. Who's our? Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James. See, the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, this whole idea of a, of a resurrection, this isn't some kind of peripheral idea. No, this is actually essential. This is actually foundational. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he says, listen, your faith is useless. It is worthless. And then listen to what he says next, verse 15. More than that. Like, so more than that, he says. We then are found to be false witnesses. Right? That means liars about God. For we, again, who's we? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Peter, James, right? The whole group of us, we are liars, for we have testified about God that he raised Jesus from the dead. See, Paul's saying, listen, if, if, if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, right, then we are the worst kind of liars because we're not lying about current events. No, we're actually lying about God. Because, see, in all of our writings, we have all gone on record saying not simply that a man was raised from the dead. No, we've actually said that God, he raised Jesus from the dead. Which means that if God didn't raise Jesus from the dead, Paul says, listen, we've been lying about God. And so we are the worst kind of liars. You know what that means, he says? If you do not believe that Jesus physically, literally rose from the dead, when you go home today, You should go find your Bible wherever your Bible is at and every single page in your Bible that was written by one of these guys, just rip them out. Right? Just rip them all out. Not based on what I'm saying to you today, but based on what it is that the Apostle Paul is actually saying to us today. Because he's saying, listen, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then please don't try to draw some kind of inspirational value from our words. That's how foundational the Apostle Paul says this whole idea of a resurrection actually is. Verse 17, he goes on, he says this, and if Jesus has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's like, Paul, what, what do you mean futile? He says, well, because listen, then you are still, you're still in your sin, he says. And see, this, this is where we want to say, okay, but, 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 but wait a minute, Paul. Wait a minute, Paul. Paul, listen here. L- let me, but let me just tell you w- what I believe. See, see Paul, I, I believe that God is a forgiving God. And the Apostle Paul says, that's great what you believe. That's awesome that you believe that. But let me just ask you a question. Where did you get that idea from? I, I, I don't know, Paul. I mean, 
my mom probably, I guess, my mom. I mean, when I was a little kid, she used to always tell me all the time that no matter what you do, God will always forgive you. No matter what you do, God will always love you. I guess, I, I, I guess from my mom probably. And Paul says, that's awesome, right? That's awesome that, that your mom told you that. But let, let me ask you this. Where did she get that idea from? I, I, Paul, I don't know. I mean, I guess if, if I think about it, probably from church. I mean, probably, probably from the Bible, right? I mean, she used to, she used to go to church all the time. I, I used to see her reading her Bible all the time. And, and Apostle Paul says, okay, it, it, isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? Right? If there is no resurrection... He says, then forget about anything that's been written in here because it just means that it's all been written by a bunch of liars. The, your faith is futile, he says, and you are still in your sin. You're actually still separated from God, to which we want to say, but Paul, wait, 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 wait. See, Paul, I actually, I believe that God is love. It's like, well, Paul would say, do you know who the first person was to actually say that? It was John. The first person to have that idea was John, the very first guy to the empty tomb. See, no matter where it is that you go, about what it, how it is that you stand with God, where you're standing with God is, listen, I'm telling you, even if you are not a follower of Jesus, even if you are not a church person, simply because of the culture that, that you live in, right, a culture that has been so impacted by the teaching of the New Testament, that regardless of whether you even ever read the New Testament or not, to, when you think about God to a great degree, you, you think about the God of the New Testament. When you think about heaven, you think about the New Testament heaven. When you think about what God is like, that he is kind, that he is merciful, that he is loving, that he is forgiving, I'm telling you, those are 100% biblical ideas. You go outside of Christianity to try to discover what God is like, and what you discover is that he is nothing like the God of the New Testament. And see, all the New Testament authors, they say, listen, it's, it's kind of all or nothing here, right? Don't, don't, who Jesus is can't actually be separated from what it is that he has done at the cross, and see, this is where we think, right? This is where you think, because listen, I, I actually understand this. I, I understand this probably better than, than you think I do, because, because you think, well, well, Joe, see, I believe, right? See, Joe, I believe, right? I get this all the time, right? And probably so do you. Well, well, well see, I believe, right? Well, that's great that you believe that, but let me just ask you, right? What other area of life do you make decisions just simply based on, you know, well, I believe, right? See, officer, I believe. That's awesome what you believe, but here's your ticket, Right? I mean, try that with one of your professors after school. You see, professor, see, I believe. I mean, that's awesome what you believe. That's great, but, but you're wrong, right? You fail, right? In the world of reality, right? In the world of facts, in the world of things that are actually real, right? What you believe is important. Don't hear me saying otherwise. It is. But what you believe does not determine reality. Instead, reality should actually shape what it is that we believe. And so you, you could spend the rest of your life believing that, that God is a loving God, but those ideas are actually a reflection of New Testament teaching. And so to try to hang on to those ideas while abandoning what the rest of the New Testament actually says about Jesus, the truth is you're just kind of playing games with yourself.
right? You're just kind of kidding yourself. What you think about Jesus when you think about Jesus, it actually came from the very people who said, oh, and by the way, he really did physically, literally rise from the dead. So please don't try to raise his ethics and his values and his morality and leave his body in the tomb. Now the Apostle Paul, he isn't quite finished with this yet. He continues in verse 18 and he says this, Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Now let me just ask you, okay, for all of you who have kind of grown up in and around church, whenever you hear the word lost, what do you immediately think of? It's okay, you can say it. Hell, that's right, hell. But see here, listen, if I tell you, oh no, I lost my phone, right, you don't think my phone is in hell, do you? Right, no, right, why, why? Why? Because in a regular context, right, in a regular context, the word lost doesn't mean hell. No, the word lost just simply means you don't know where something is. Right, that's exactly what lost means. So let me tell you what the Apostle Paul is saying here, because listen, some of you have lost brothers and sisters. Some of you have been to the funeral of a parent or a grandparent. I mean, some of you have actually been to the funeral of a child. And see, the Apostle Paul says, listen, I'm not trying to be insensitive here. But I I just want you to understand, listen, if there is no resurrection, the Apostle Paul says, then, then, then those who have fallen asleep, right, because that is the New Testament view of death, that it's not permanent, that it's only temporary. See, the Apostle Paul says, listen, for, for all of you followers of Jesus, and you've ever, if you've ever been to a funeral in your life, and, and, and you've, you've comforted each other saying, listen, this is not the end because we're going to see each other again someday, the Apostle Paul says, listen, if there is no resurrection, then they are lost. You know what that means? It means you don't know where they are. You don't know where. They are. The Apostle Paul saying, listen, your entire concept of heaven and eternity, even whether you realize it or not, whether you understand it or not, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, it's actually been shaped by this singular event called the resurrection. And so if you abandon the resurrection, then you abandon heaven as well, which means, which means all the comfort that you've taken in knowing that you're going to see loved ones again someday, the Apostle Paul says, just forget about all that because outside of a resurrection, you have no reason to believe that. And he wraps up in verse 19 and he says this, if only for this life, we, that's you and me, followers of Jesus, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, We are to be pitied more than all people. Now again, this is a pretty big statement here. Okay, so let me tell you what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying this. If the only thing that you actually get as a follower of Jesus is what it is that you get in this life, then the Apostle Paul, who actually wrote more than half of the New Testament, is saying, listen, you, above all groups of people, are to be most pitied. Now here's why he's saying that. Because see, if there is no resurrection, then you know all that money that you've given for missions? He says you should have just kept it for yourself. Pity you. For, for all of you who are in a difficult relationship, 
Your, your family is struggling, and if you're honest, the primary reason why you're sticking it out and you're working it out and you're committed to making it work is because of what it is that you believe the New Testament actually teaches about family and marriage. The Apostle Paul says, listen, if there is no resurrection, then pity you. For, for all of you who serve, for all of you who give up your vacation time, for all of you who actually go out of your way to help people in this world who are less fortunate than you are, the Apostle Paul says, listen, if there is no resurrection, then pity you, thinking that there's some great big reward waiting out there for you someday. If there is no resurrection, you, you silly people, he says, pity you. It's like, Joe, isn't that a little bit harsh? Yes, it is extremely harsh. But that is exactly what the Apostle Paul says if there is, in fact, no resurrection. In fact, listen to how he wraps up this whole chapter. He says this in verse 32. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning for such an uplifting message? How about we just wrap up right here? Heavenly Father... But in the middle of this whole chapter, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, but. Now, in the Greek language, there's actually two different words that we translate to English as the, as the English word um, uh, but. And, and the two words are this. The first is the word day, which means like little but. The other word is the word Allah, which means like big, great big but. Like, uh, like uh, big contrast, big contrast. The Apostle Paul doesn't use either of those words. Instead, what he does is he takes two different words and he puts them together, nuni and day, nuni and day, which when you translate those words, translate as, are you kidding me? Verse 20. But you have got to be kidding me because Jesus has indeed been raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul says, listen, as a follower of Jesus, the reason that you can believe and the reason you can serve, the reason you can follow and the reason that you can hope is because, listen, your Savior, Jesus, his teachings didn't just rise from the dead. His spirit didn't just come out of the tomb. No, his body came out of the tomb because Jesus is risen from the dead. So the Apostle Paul... In the very beginning of this chapter, he says, What I received, I passed on to you as of first or most importance. That Christ, he died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That's how we know he died. Because he was actually buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. How do we know that he was actually raised? Because Paul says, listen, he appeared. He appeared first to Peter and then to the twelve, and then after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, he says, though some have fallen asleep. Listen, this is absolutely amazing. The Apostle Paul, he's telling this group of people, look, I get it. I understand the idea of a resurrection that it's hard to believe. You've never seen anybody come back to life once they're dead before. Paul says, neither have I. But I'm telling you, it's true. It's true. Jesus has indeed risen from the grave. Peter saw it. John saw it. Matthew saw it. In fact, all the apostles saw it. In fact, a group of 500 men and women in the same place at one time who were not apostles, they all saw it. 
And then this is my favorite part in this whole verse. And for some of you, you have been skeptical about this idea for your entire life. And the truth is you are here today just for one half of one little section of Scripture. Because the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, if you don't think that Jesus actually rose from the dead, then you get yourself a bus ticket and you come on down here to Jerusalem. Because listen, there are three or four hundred people walking around the streets of Jerusalem today who can look you in the eye and say, it's true. It's true, I saw him. Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. Do you know what this means? It means that if you're a follower of Jesus, your hope, your hope is not in vain. Your prayers are not in vain. The loved ones that you have laid to rest, that you long to see again, your longing is not in vain. Your generosity, your service, your sacrifice, your self-control, your discipline, your worship, none of that is in vain. The things that break your heart for the, the things that break the heart of God in this world, none of that is in vain because Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. And, and listen, if you still wonder, if you're just not quite sure, if you don't know if you're a Jesus person or a church person or however you, it is you think about all this, then, then I, I just hope, I hope this one simple question, I just hope this bothers you. For, in fact, I actually pray this bothers you for the rest of your life because listen, I'm your pastor and I care about you. So I hope this question, I hope you just wrestle with this one question for the rest of your life. If you forget everything I said today, which you probably will, I just hope that you remember this one thing. Did Jesus, did he rise from the dead? Because listen, if he didn't, then game over on following Jesus. But if he did, right, if he did, it changes everything for you. It changes everything for you. It means that when you talk to God at night, the God of the universe actually hears your prayers. It, it means that sense of should or should not that wells up within your soul every once in a while. When you see things in this world that should not be, you see injustice, you see pain, you see suffering, and you see hurt. That means that's not random emotion. That's not some societal pressure that's been imposed on you. No, that is the thumbprint of your Heavenly Father on your heart. It means the God of the universe actually hears your prayers. It means that you can be forgiven. It means that you can never sin so much that you get yourself outside of the boundaries of God's grace. It means that you can be set free from a habit. You can be set free from an addiction. That maybe for the very first time in your entire life, you can actually have a clear conscience. It changes everything. For you. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking to yourself, okay, so what? Like, so what? Like, why do you even care if I believe in a resurrection or not? You don't even know me. Listen, I care about you because I'm your pastor. I love you. I care about you. And listen, I want you to know that you have a Savior, not simply an example. You have a Savior, not a role model. You have a Savior, not just a teacher. Because see, the tremendous irony in our world, right, is that we all live by this mantra that says, okay, I, I do what I want to do and I do, do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And yet the truth is, right, the truth is the result of that life, and you know it, 
It is weariness and exhaustion. And see, Jesus says you were created for so much more. So much more than that. See, that's why you need, that's why God has given to you a Savior. A Savior who has indeed risen from the dead, who has defeated everything in this life that leads to weariness and exhaustion and even death itself. And so here's my invitation to you this morning. Why simply be a fan of Jesus? Why stop at an empty tomb? I mean, if you're going to believe anything about him, why not embrace the most important thing? That's when he moves from simply being an example to being Savior, from simply being a teacher to being Savior, from simply being a role model to Savior, to your personal Savior. And see, the way that you do that, the way that you embrace Jesus as your Savior, it's simply by transferring your trust. That's all that it means to follow Jesus. It's not complicated. There's not a bunch of rules. It's simply transferring your trust from yourself to Jesus as your Savior. It's about trusting what it is that Jesus has actually done for you and on your behalf on the cross when he died for your sin. And see, the way that we actually express that transfer of trust is just simply through prayer. And so I want to invite you today. Because if while I was talking, if you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, I've heard this a hundred times, I've heard this a thousand times, but for some reason something is different today. For some reason today, I think I actually believe this. But that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit creating faith in your heart and actually inviting you to place that faith that he has created in you in your Savior Jesus. And so I want to just ask you to just to, to bow your heads with me and I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. And I would just simply ask that you, that you simply say these words. You can use your own words or you can use my words. I would just ask that you simply say this. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And I believe that He is my Savior. I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for my sin. And so, Heavenly Father, I am transferring all of my trust from myself. I'm transferring all of my trust from my good works. And Father, I am placing all of my trust in Jesus as my Savior. Father, forgive me of my sin. Receive me into your family. Because, Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son who came into this world to redeem this world and to redeem me. It's in the name of our risen Lord Jesus that I pray. Amen.